0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. And this message is for those who are weak, who cannot uh, stay away from temptation. And if that right temptation is going to be uh, in the house or near you or even thinking about it, you're probably going to fail. So that's, that's who this message is for. This message is also for those of you who have failed or you're in that situation where you know you've messed up and you're in hiding right now. You're Adam right now. That was his first inclination, that was his, for the first thing he did when he messed up was to go hide in some bushes. And me being in, uh, in my law enforcement history and in my ministry history, yes. I have seen plenty of people. Oh, yeah, that that is me. Thank you, Steve, for reminding me about that opening. I'll have to make an appointment with my therapist this week. But anyways, anyways. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's some of us. Some of us are in hiding right now. So this message is for us. For those of you who are so upset with God, you're so angry with him. You didn't get what you wanted. Things didn't turn out the way that you thought they would and this happens constantly with him. Things just did not they just didn't turn out the way, you know. And so you get angry with them, you get upset with them. This message is for you. And finally, for those of you who are just mired in apathy. You just don't care. I've prayed. I've gone to church. Nothing's happening. Where's God? I don't care. I don't care anymore. This message is for you. We're going to open up our Bibles to Matthew 26. The title of this message is Beyond Betrayal, because it's not just about, we're not going to focus with a laser focus just on on Judas here. We need to talk about what could have happened after that. Matthew 26, I'm going to read 6 through 16 right now. Meanwhile... Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Now, as an aside, if you read John 12.4, John's account of this, because he was in the same room as Matthew. Uh, these, these, both of these authors were uh, apostles, disciples. They were in the same room when this happened. John is saying that it was Judas who said, what a waste. It could have been sold for a high price. You know what the high price of this alabaster was? $54,000. I think uh, that'd be nice to have in their back pocket, $54,000. So you can see, it's like, what are you doing? What is this all about? However, Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? They gave him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we make make, uh, bad decisions, Lord. And we get ourselves into situations that we feel like we can't get out of or we don't want to get out of. I want to pray that you would change our direction, our heart's direction this morning. Put our ears on, Lord God, and open the eyes of our heart so we can see your work that you want for us. In your name, Jesus, amen. So who is Judas? Judas was, he was one of the 12 disciples. He was one of the 12 apostles. This was like the core special ops team for Jesus, there's, there's Jesus doing his, his awesome things, and then he picked, he hand-picked, like you, 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 and Judas was one of them. He picked these guys, and he sent them out two by two. I want you guys to uh, follow me, listen to what I do, uh, watch what I do, uh, watch how I do it, go out, and I want you to do the same thing. There were, there were smaller Jesuses, if you will. That's, that's what a Christian is. That's like a, a little Jesus, Uh, you know a miniature replica of Jesus and so they went out to villages and and Judas was with them he was out there casting demons out and he was out there healing the sick um, watching miracles happen so this was an inside man this this whole thing this whole betrayal operation was a was an inside job it wasn't some guy who kind of snuck in he was here from the beginning he was also uh, somebody who we can't ever name our kids after. I'm sorry. There's no more. Jude is okay. Jude is fine. It's real close. Judy, Judith, it's fine. We, we do have some nice Judiths and Judys. But if there is ever, and I taught grades, I've almost taught almost every grade here, uh, all, all the way from grades three through five, I think, Uh, I think that's the youngest, but if I ever saw little Judas come in, hi, this is Judas, I would keep my eye on him, (laughs) Judas, Mr. Bob, can I have some scissors, what do you want scissors for, Judas, what do you need scissors for, everybody else has scissors. No, you're probably going to cut your family or something. No, you're not going to have. So, that name is gone. Nobody's using that name. Thanks, Judas. Now, why did Judas do this? This is what we don't know. The motivation behind his betrayal, uh, Jude, you know, what he did, we have no idea. Um, it was he was a thief, according to John twelve five six. Uh, John said that he helped himself often to the money purse. He took care of uh, the finances, and he just, you know, I don't, I'm like, what did he buy back then? Why would he, I don't know, was there hamburgers back then, cheesecake? I don't know what they had back then. But he, he was a thief. He liked money. He liked doing it. I don't know. That's, that's his moral weakness. That's something all of us can, uh, you know, attest to all of us uh, are morally weak. Could have been that, but he sold Jesus for $200, essentially, and that's, that is a far cry from the $54,000 that was wasted on Jesus. So I don't, I don't know about that one. I, I'm not buying that one. Could have, he could have been a zealot, which was um, an aggressive political party whose concern for the national and religious life of the Jewish people led them to despise even Jews who sought peace and conciliation with the Roman authorities. So he could have been what they called the zealot, like, we're, we're uh, a nation, we don't want Roman oppression, obviously, nobody wants to be owned by another country, and uh, he, he may have been part of that, and part of, part of uh, what maybe Judas was trying to do was force Jesus into a position where he would not be the lamb anymore, where he would be the lion. You'd make him a king, because they were already trying to do that, when they uh, entered, there's actually a, a lot of times throughout the scriptures where the people were trying to make him king, and he didn't want that. That wasn't his time yet, and so Jesus was probably forcing that to happen. You know, if we can just, if I can just corner him, and now he's separated, now he's on his own, now he has to come up with his own resources. This angelic army he he spoke about a couple of times, and because that's what they wanted, isn't that funny? He. Judas, and just like everybody else, they're not thinking about a savior king. They're just thinking of like some bigger guy to take out and wipe out, you know, all the other stuff that they don't want it to be a part of. And I mean, we're no different. We, we want Jesus for a better job. We want Jesus for more money in our account. We want Jesus for, uh, you know, better neighbors. Not like I have to be a better, no, they have to be a better neighbor for me, you know. That's usually how it works. Yeah, we're not thinking about Savior Jesus who saved me from, who plucked me from the fire, as Jeremiah says, because that's where we, our toes were singeing uh, at the gates of hell, and he's, and he's like, no, I need to rescue. I need a rescue operation. That's, that's who Jesus is. So we don't know. <clears throat> I want you to write this down uh, for later. Prophecy, there's a prophecy about all this going on. Zechariah 11 Verse 12 and 13, Zechariah 11, 12 and 13, and it's going to match up with Matthew 27, 1 through 7, and it's, it is pretty amazing, but I'm not here for amazing, not, not that amazing. Not, we're not doing that this morning. Now, what did Jesus do? We know what he did. He betrayed Jesus, but here's what he did. I, I boiled it down to three things. He made a bad decision, he got into a situation, and he stayed there. Because the end result, the real tragedy of this is not the betrayal of Jesus. It was that Judas never went back to God. He never thought, he's looking for, maybe he's looking for this bigger king and this bigger kingdom so that uh, his people can be free. That's probably what he's looking He's not looking for free from sin, though. This leads up to an old saying, you get to choose your own choices, but you don't get to choose your consequences. Judas betrayed Jesus for whatever reason, and then he found out that Jesus was going to be condemned to death, and that's when Judas said, ooh, I made a big mistake. Uh, we've all been there. I mean, I, I, I come like I said, I come from a law enforcement background. I, I was a patrol officer for 23 years. And then I was a bailiff for four and a half years, so I have seen my fill of people making bad decisions, and that's all we ever did in Patrol. Oh, you made a bad decision? Okay, we're, we're gonna we have to go take you somewhere. You know, There's a, I have free bracelets for you, and they're gonna they're gonna give you free. It's gonna be free hot meals. It's gonna be very nice. It's you know you do have to watch out for your roommate named Debbie, but um, other than that. They made a bad decision, got into a situation, and stayed there. One of the things that uh, would happen often... uh, So I worked down in... um, We had boat patrol, vessel patrol. San Diego Bay. Everybody knows where San Diego Bay is. Everybody knows where Mission Bay is. That's where all the fun is. San Diego Bay is. It's very pretty there. Um, All that, you know, Coronado Bridge. uh, All that. All that water we took care of. All that from Chula Vesta to Point Loma. One of the things that... What's kind of fun in boat patrol is people on land didn't know that we existed. In fact, almost nobody knows we exist. That's pretty funny. You work for who? San Diego Harbor? What's that? And I have to is that a, are you a real policeman? No, no, we're fake. Don't worry about that. We're just they just give us toy guns. It's this molded plastic. We don't have to worry about anything here. But so our patrol officers would contact somebody, okay? Somebody would contact somebody, they'd realize that they had made a bad decision in the past. And they stayed there because now they have a warrant for their arrest. And one of the fun things to do with uh, patrol is there's either you know cooperation. Yeah, here's my ID. Sure, here you go. I can put my hands behind my back. That was like one percent. Maybe you know nobody is going to do that. But um, but most of the time, it was uh, like our our district attorney would tell us is they're they're going to lie. They're supposed to lie. They're supposed to lie. And tell you stories. They're supposed to run and they're supposed to fight. That's the game. Your game is to, you know, figure this out. And so, uh, officer get his ID, and uh, you know, okay, get out of the car, and then that gives him, the uh, gentleman, the opportunity to run and jump into the water, because that's your first thought process at 2.30 in the morning. You've already made the bad decisions, and now it's time to make more bad decisions by jumping into the water with sea monsters. So you get in there, and you're flopping around in the water and he's thinking, you know, that, that guy's not coming after me, which is true, because I've done that. I've contacted guys and they would hop right in the water and I'm, I like, I'm, I'm dry, I'm not gonna get wet, no thank you. That's what the boats are for. So the boats, so here come, we, we show up and the guys are splash around and then he, you see the look on his face like, oh my gosh. You know, and he's still doing this and we're like, all right, man, get out of the water you know, and he's gonna swim away from us. Like, okay, well, we're, our boats are probably a little faster than you, but that's okay. And so we, so what do you think we would do? Just scream at him, uh, be more angry, let's be more forceful, guys. Hey, let's really get him out of the water. Bye. No, we would just wait, just like this. <laughs> we would just cross our arms, and we're patient. Because guess what, we're getting paid for this, so that's fine with me. And we all like overtime. That's fine. I'll wait. And then if they're taking too long, we'll start talking about, you know, is that how big was Shamu? And didn't Shamu just get out last week? <laughs> I think there's something under him, but I'm, I don't, I don't want to tell him out loud. But he's, you know, and the guys will last three, five minutes. I mean, 2.30 in the morning, the water's probably like low 60s, mid 60s not getting any warmer anytime soon, and they know this, this is the worst deal, you know, and they get out. But this, this situation that we get ourselves into, like I said, I've been in ministry since um, I started helping out kids when I was 17 or 18. I, I've been in all kinds of different ministries. This is people. I've seen tons of people like this. Right now I'm leading a group A couple of groups uh, online, Pure Desires for Men's Sexual Purity, guys are just, they're just doing this, and they're messing up their families, they're messing up their own lives, they're messing up their future life. We have a lot of young kids, and I so appreciate you guys. Please listen to everything I say. (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm not saying like obey your mom and dad, I'm saying like, look, You're going to have so many times when you have a choice coming up in front of you, please do the right thing, okay? Because all of us older folks, man, we're just sick of it. Oh, those are the worst. Those are the worst. I don't want to see you in the water. I don't want to see you stagnant, you know, just floating around like this, just, oh, what's this like? When is this? How tiring is that? How tiring is it? So, yeah, we make bad decisions, we get into situations, and most of the time it's because we're morally weak. That's the first thing in your note sheet. Morally weak. M-O-R-A-L-L-Y. Oh, it's up there. We are morally weak. Let me read what Romans has to say on this subject. Romans 3.10. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. I think that's freeing in a sense, knowing that I'm not the only goofball. I'm actually, there's a lot of other, I'm not saying there's any goofballs in this room with me, but I know that. There's a lot of people that just make bad decisions and that's just gonna happen. I see the hand, sister, I'm not gonna point at you, but I thank you so much for, but this is just where we're at. This is our baseline. This is our, our default position is, is gonna be to mess up. We're gonna be inclined to mess up. I want to lie, for instance. And maybe Judas was like, man, I want to, we just got some more money, I want to steal. And that's just, that's just how it is. That's where we're at, okay? But we don't have to stay there, you know? Just like that guy that jumps in the water, you don't have to stay in the water. You can, you can come out whenever you want. But things being what they are, sometimes we're, we're, we're in that position of being so morally weak that we do something awful, and then we turn it into, we can't believe he will forgive me. We can't believe he'll forgive me because this is what shame does to someone. And I, and I deal constantly with, with guys. Every single, 100% of the guys that I, I talk with, that I deal with their hearts, 100% is shame. 100%. Guilt and shame are two different things. Guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is I am a wrong person. I am a horrible person. And there's only so long that you can carry that for. I mean, you just, I mean, it starts just wearing on you. Your, your spirit and your heart is going to be such that, like, I don't even want to go into church. I mean, I've, I've heard that before. Like, if I go into church, I'm just going to burst into flames, you know, because they, they feel like they're such a bad, evil crony. Let me tell you something. According to Romans 5, 6... Through 11 he was already in love with you so nothing surprises god and then after that like nothing's going to change his mind about you he was already in love with you we have a we have every once in a while we have some newborns here and i see this love and affection that the mom has for those babies That's God's affection. <clears throat> Sorry. That's God's affection for you. It makes me um, emotional. Because that's God's heart for you right now. He, doesn't, he knows what you did. You're not hiding. I mean, how effective was it to hide from God? And how effective is it for us to hide from God? Thinking like, he'll never take me back. Let me tell you something, that's the enemy. The enemy got you in there by going, hey, you should do this, you you should make this bad decision. You do it, and then he goes, wow, you're a horrible person. God's never going to take you back. It's really messed up of him, but that's his job. He's a liar, and that's all he does. And he's lying to you right now. If that's you, if that's your heart, I can never go back to God, he's lying to you. That's a lie. I'm here to tell you the truth. He was already in love with you. Another reason to step away is uh, when we think we know better and God doesn't meet our expectations. We, we know the right job that, that I know I'll be happy. I know I'll be successful if this was going on. I know I'll be happy if this person was in my life. And guess what? It doesn't happen. And so we shake our fists at him. We're just angry at him. We're grumpy. And it could be an explosive volcano type anger, like, what's wrong with you, God? I can't stand you. It could be that, or it can be just uh, under your breath, like we have when we're driving in traffic, you know, just kind of a arr, arr. My daughter would uh, mock me whenever I was grumpy. She would go meow, 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 meow. I'd be like, oh, this guy, just, you just see this guy, if you just, you just, you just, you just... <sighs> <sighs> I can't be mad at her. She's right, it is like that, We're <clears throat> just like this little but, It's still effective. We can still be angry. And just as an aside, it's okay to be angry with God. He can take it. He's definitely a big enough God. This is nothing new to him. There's plenty of people angry at him. So it's fine. You can be angry, okay? Have some freedom in that. But with the caveat being at least come back to a sense of knowing your position between the two of you, okay? So that you realize it is and it's not justified it can't you can't be justifiably angry against God it's not going to work his ways are not your ways his thoughts are not our thoughts it's just not going to happen I wish it could be different but see God's not human (laughs) he created us how can the how can the little jar of clay yell and be angry and shake his fist at God like you can I'm not saying you can't. I, you can do that. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change his view of you. He's not going to be. He's not going to be angry with you. I mean, just think of it this way. Okay, if he was angry with you, you would know about it. <laughs> There's a bunch of people <laughs> that found out <laughs> when Noah was building an ark. A lot of people found out. Like, wait a second, <laughs> this is not. Yeah. So no, you. There's no way that he's angry with you, okay? So be angry with him all you want. But read Psalm 13. Psalm 13, he starts off, David starts off very angry at God. How long will you forget me? How long will you look the other way? He was shaking his fist at God. That's okay. But at the end of it, he came back to, you know what? Being in a thankful position. I thank you, Lord God, for, for who you are. Finally, this isn't on there. I wrote this in just the other night. Sometimes it's just uh, apathy. Like I said, we just we don't care anymore. So many things have happened. God's not answering my my prayers. Here I have a quote for you. I found some I found online. This is I think this is a lot of us. I have to admit that I am angry at God. The more I have prayed for help and guidance, the more I get nothing. He is ignoring me. It's his right to do with me what he will. But I am frustrated because I've done what I think I'm supposed to do, and yet no response, no help. I don't care. I'm done I have my own problems God's doing his own thing whatever I'm out I'm checked out that's a lot of eyes in there and I'm going to associate that with pride if you don't if you're in that kind of a place where you're in it's really mire. you're stuck in like knee-deep mud at the bottom I was a scuba diver with the I was on the dive team with the hard police and no joke um, the bottom is silt And we could stick our arms up to our elbows in that, and that was just like a a friendly reminder to not get stuck down there. (laughs) You know, I only have like half an hour of air, but like it's that. But that's I I believe people that are apathetic, that don't care, they're just stuck. They're not. They're not moving forward or backward or anywhere. They're just going to be stuck like that. And God doesn't want you stuck. God wants you with him. God wants you living and moving. And we're getting there right now. So we're talking about all the, what the missteps look like. A step in a, a great step, a, right, a step in the right direction is gonna start with a walk in humility. Walking in humility. 1 Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is what walking in humility looks like. It's, it's making yourself less than. It's, if you happen to be angry at him, which is fine, it's, it's one of these where you op- finally open up your hands and go, you know what, I'm going to surrender. I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want this. I realize, I realize where I am at. I realize who I am in comparison to, to God, comparison to Jesus. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I have to make myself less. And that it really is exactly what Jesus did. He made himself less. He was like reigning in heaven, and all of a sudden he says, I mean, it was a big plan, but he's like, okay, it's time. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna be born of a teenage girl in the middle of nowhere into a sloppy mess of uh, an animal trough, and I'm gonna be raised in a, in a podunk village just so that I can rescue mankind. That's humility. Anytime you're, you're wondering what that would look like, go please go read the gospels. It's it's this attitude of your way is gonna be better than my way. Okay? And that's what do we have to do? We have to pull away pride, right? All of us have pride. If you don't think if you're raising your hand, I am the most humble person here, then you're perfect for pride. That's you. So it also looks like walking in repentance. Walking in repentance. I was talking to uh, my brother in the back there earlier. And we're talking about when we turn away from uh, our addictions, when we turn away from that old way of life, we're, walking, we're actually walking in freedom. We're actually walking in freedom where, like, man, I was so wrapped up in this stuff. And, hey, I was an addict for years. I was, was eating for... 20, 25 years. So I know what that feels like to be just constantly looking for my addiction, and now I'm not that person anymore. Now I'm now I'm walking with the Lord, and it's ah, oh, it's freeing. I don't have to. That's not in my head anymore. I. I but it's a constant walking in this. It's a constant, uh, constant saying no to myself so that I can walk with Him. Because now I know this is better. <laughs> walking in freedom. And I tell you what. <laughs> Like, I have arrested hundreds and thousands, I don't want to say thousands, all right, maybe that's a little high, hundreds, more than 10 uh, people, and not a single one of them was like, oh, my gosh, it's so cozy back here. In the back of my patrol car, you know, like, oh, these handcuffs are really nice. I really enjoy Nobody, and if they did say that, I would just drive them straight to CMH or something like that, but... um, yeah, nobody said that. Nobody likes being back there. Nobody fits in the back of this. They're not made for comfort. I would have to tell every single one. These aren't made for comfort. So just, you know, hang on while I try to get us here to jail. But nobody likes, this is not, this is, this is what living in sin looks like. And, and, and living in freedom is, is this. You, you don't, there's no chains on me. Either in my heart or, or you know physically. It, it's a nice place to be. I Please, I implore you. I invite you. To walk in repentance walking in the spirit is the next one because first you have to humble yourself to come to the Lord and go your ways are better than my ways if there's something you need to repent of Lord I'm sorry for being the way I am I don't want to be that person I want to walk in a different direction then you have to let him work in you walking in the spirit is letting him work on you this is what that looks like it's when you want to say something. For me, I want to say something to this one guy. And it's happened a couple of times now. One I distinctly remember because it really floored me. Um, there's this guy in the neighborhood, you know, we all have him, right? Like one of these guys or ladies, whoever it is. And you're like, I just can't wait to tell that person off for whatever it may be. And this guy would do his, uh, you know, he had a big truck, and he'd squeal his tires with the kids around, and, uh, and we knew he was doing drugs, that was kind of an open thing, like we, we know he's doing hard drugs, and like, I just could not wait to, well, wring his neck, I mean, I'll just say it, but you know, but I, I didn't, I didn't do that. But here he comes knocking on the door, because he's, our kids played together, and this is it. This was it. This was my time. Now I'm going to tell them off right here in front of the kids. And I don't care. Who knows? I'm going to tell them off. I'm so sick of this. I come around the corner. And all of a sudden, God gives me his glasses. Yeah. To see who it is I'm going to talk to. And it wasn't that guy that's driving me up the wall. Who I saw was somebody who desperately needs Jesus. That's what the Spirit does for us. He changes our hearts in a way so that we can react the way Jesus would react. That's, this is what he wants more of from us. If you're a believer, you're a Christian, he wants more of him down here. We've already done our ways. We already got into ourselves into these situations. We already made our bad, he, we got that. That's all checked. He wants more of him down here. All those people out here that are even in here. Some of you may not be believing. You know, you're just, believe me, you're here because he wanted you here. He, he put your butt in the seat because he wanted you to hear this message. So if you are one of these, these guys that are struggling, you're in the water, and um, you know, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to, how to get out or, or if I'm allowed to get out of the water. or No, this is... This is a great time to come out of the water. When these guys would come up, they'd be exhausted. <laughs> There's no, you know, put your hands back, and, and he would immediately, do, they're just done. And I feel like that's some of us. Some of us are just, we're just so exhausted of being here, away from God, away from being uh, safe with him. So let me, yeah, let me just tell you that he can't wait for, for you to come back to him, even if it's for the first time. He's, he's got his, his arms wide open, and he's just like, yeah, let's, let's go. Oh, but I'm, I'm a sinner. Yeah, 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 okay, you're a sinner. Let's go. Oh, but I'm a, you don't know who I am. No, 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 I know exactly who you are. That's why I came to die for you. Uh, I'm, I'm angry at you, God, I'm a, I don't know, I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt by you. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But how about if you just come to me anyway and just be with me and let me show you a better way to live? That's where we're at this morning. May I have one more thing? Psalm 33, 11, I feel was perfect for this message. Psalm thirty-three eleven, the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. In other words, the Lord's love for you can never change. His intentions for your life, for your heart, for who you are as a person, that can never, ever change. Nothing you do can ever change his mind about you. Amen? I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. And I want to pray, Lord God, just like I have taught that we're not just hearing this stuff, Lord God, but we're going to do this too. If we have actions that we need to do, we have people we need to talk to. We need people to, to, that we can pray with and get this all sorted out. I want to pray, Lord God, that we would walk in that direction, that we'd get out of the water. That we'd surrender to you, Lord. We let you Work in our hearts. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.